the Love Boat won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files, I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about... E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Turn on your hot light. Uh, In the middle of a young boy's dream. Good old Neil Diamond. Don't wake me up too soon. You know that came out in September of 1982? Gonna take and a ride across the moon. He he wrote it because he saw the movie. Him me and his you. writing partner, uh, they wrote that. And then Turn on your he promptly got sued now. by MCA. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> because apparently they decided it was a copyright infringement. And Neil Diamond settled out of court for $25,000. Yeah, which was like one day's sale. Yeah, I know. If, I know. you know, a quarter of a day's sale. But that's, that's it was a very <clears> litigious <throat> time in the 80s. Everybody was suing everybody for yeah, everything. Yeah. And I honestly... Honestly, because of the really small settlement and everything, I, I it was publicity. It I was think. token. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was, sold a lot yeah. more records, and it was his uh, last teams. number one hit. Yeah, yeah. He's a, we have to do a show on him. He almost oh, died Neil on stage. Was amazing. He's my favorite. My my mom's favorite uh, singer. Love on the rocks ain't no surprise. It's the hard life, baby. <laughs> I know. I it's I, what ET's got. I realize. I Turn realize. it on. And they're going to take a trip across the moon. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. That makes On a sense. bike. On a bike. Yeah. Uh, this is the beginning of our Spielberg uh, summer blockbuster July. We're going to be doing yeah. this and Raiders, Raiders and, and uh, Jaws. Jaws and, you know, a little something for the stepdads. Have a little, little adult conversation about yeah. the movies. But we wanted to just kick it off with with his most successful movie. Yes. Uh, E.T. The e. Extraterrestrial. E.T. Uh, take yourself back to 1982. Ooh. Jane Fonda's workout debuted. Yeah, all yeah. of our moms getting in shape. Exercising sensation. And the best part about it is she used all that money to fund her political activism. <laughs> nice. But, man, she took advantage of the VCR. I mean, that oh, was yeah. like the yeah. first must-have take. Yeah. Every yeah. mother yeah. on know, yeah. the planet had that sitting next <clears> to their... They didn't use it. No, <laughs> they bought all the clothes. But it was there. And yeah, they had all the cute workout gear. But most exercise equipment <laughs> gets bought and never used. Yes. Uh, that same year, the Rendlesham Woodbridge incident in Suffolk, England, happened. Do you remember this? No, it's There's a, mouthful, a really though. good uh, last podcast episode about it. Oh, uh, but the USAF and uh, US Air Force in in uh, Britain they found a crashed UFO and then completely covered it up. Oh wow! Uh, you mean the Royal Air Force, not the no? The it US? was the U.S. It the was US on a U.S. Air base. Force. Yeah, oh, wow. it was like U.S. base, and it oh. was. It's a great. If you haven't listened to that episode or those, I think it's a couple episodes. It's really good. Nice. Uh, but that happened in 1982, and then in March 1st, the Venera 13 from the USSR landed on Venus and collected soil samples, and was the first audio recording of another world. Crazy. So it was rife for some ET and with other space yeah, stuff. Got yeah, some space junk. <clears throat> June 11th, 1982, ET was released and shot. Straight to number one, opening to $11 million and staying at number one for six straight weeks. That's crazy. Where it then fluctuated between first and second place. Now, I remember, I remember, Mm -hmm. and I remember not really giving a crap when I first saw it. Yeah, it wasn't because, you know, I mean, it was like a boy and an alien. It was like, you know, it it wasn't Star Wars. It wasn't Raiders. It didn't look like, you know, the kind of movie that I, I, you know, that I was into or whatever. Yeah, but didn't really appeal to you too much. Not at first, but man, when I went to see it, it, it yeah. he it, the brilliant thing about him is that he captures kids 
so well. And right. and right. up until that point, not like any other right. director. Right. The fact that the kids are playing D&D yeah. and that they yeah. talk like us. They're, it's very real. Yeah, it was very realistic. Exactly. The kids that he cast were so good, you yeah. know. And, he, yeah, he was very aware of that making the movie because he, he – this is one of the only movies he didn't storyboard because yeah. he wanted to keep the, the performances – spontaneous yeah. because that was more real well he also got the subdivision lifestyle man like the track yeah. home thing like yeah. my stepdad you know he it wasn't like a tracked home subdivision but he did build you know neighborhoods. A, a neighborhood mm-hmm. you know and um it was there was always like houses being built you know that you would play in and everybody's right. riding their right. bikes and it was the first time you know i really saw a movie where they were playing with my toys you know he was playing right. with the star right. wars guys yeah. and they yeah. were playing D and they had the bmx bikes you know it's like it was like Okay, I'm yeah, in, this man. Is, this is me. It's me and my buddies. Me on screen. With, with an alien. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth weekend that it was open, it actually set the record for the highest grossing weekend, uh, beating out Rocky Three. Yeah, that was the weekend I saw it. Ooh, I oh, know, yeah. <laughs> did you only see it once? Or did no, you, I saw, you it, saw it multiple times. I saw it a couple of times in theater. It didn't, it didn't, like I didn't, it didn't. It wasn't Star Wars to me. Right, or, right. You know, I didn't Not buy any. You know, I didn't want. Weekend. Yeah, and I wasn't like. Gaga about it, but it was it was very. T- I mean, it was very unexpected. It was like I really, you know, yeah. The whole broken fan, like everything about it was very was just you know perfect in the in 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 the tone of like what it was sure. like growing up Being as a kid in that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nineteen eighty three, it became the highest grossing film ever, beating out Star Wars. Oh, made uh, me so mad. After two re releases in eighty five and two thousand two, the movie has earned. Over seven hundred and ninety-two million dollars. It's incredible. Uh, which was a record until nineteen ninety-three, when it was beat out by Jurassic Park, another Spielberg movie. Yeah, just beating himself. <laughs> yeah, uh, sales of Reese's it's always Pieces between Pieces. him and uh, oh, oh, him and Lucas. And Lucas, yeah. but you know, little and then well, you know, and then, then old Cameron, Cameron, yeah. Cameron's way in, get there. His way in there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, the movie had a huge impact. It uh, sales of Reese's Pieces went up sixty five percent. Yeah, uh, like I didn't. Crazy. I don't remember Reese's Pieces before that. I knew that they were because yeah. I was a candy guy. Well, they came out and they were released or whatever you want to call it in nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, so I remember like, they them hadn't coming been out. That out long, yeah, but, but it was just they were kind of like the candy's dirty little secret. Yeah, yeah, you know because everybody. Yeah, because like, it was like, what's this weird thing? Yeah, I, mean, hey, I, re- I remember loving Reese's Pieces oh, me after too. this, yeah. like loving them. M and M's. Bad decision, I mean, still, baby. Somebody still. got fired oh, at Mars. Oh, yeah, Mars. Stupid. They they literally thought that the, it, the movie would scare children. So well, they didn't did. want to be associated like, with that. It, I yeah. have friends that saw it and were scared. That's true. That's true. Scared I'm... poopless from <laughs> It was a win-win for everybody. Little... M&Ms are still here, so I, I don't think yes. it affected them too much. No. Uh, while the movie was released in theaters, Spielberg was earning around half a million dollars a day from the movie. And that's in 81. Three. 80, 82. That's in 82. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. When it got released on VHS, it sold 15 million units, earning it another quarter of a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. it was That was one of those tapes where people were just lined up right. on the day of release, you know. Yeah. I miss those days. I miss the days. I remember, like, Tuesdays would be the release day for new media. And I remember... You know, to, oh yeah, to yeah. Best Buy oh yeah. And which yes, new? Yes. Well, first VCR, then DVDs. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you got you got to go on release Tuesday and yeah. see. Yeah, you got to get there early before you go to work. <laughs> yeah, but that was it was crazy the scrambling to get. Oh that yeah, tape. you got to get that stuff. You got to get that stuff. But on top of all this, uh, as of 1998, the last reported date, which was uh, 20, 17 years after it came out, mm-hmm. uh, math. 
20 years? Yeah. Uh, it um, has sold over a billion dollars in merchandise. Just oh, yeah. in merchandise alone. And two billion in knockoff merchandise. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where did E.T. come from? From space. <laughs> Outer space. Right. He also uh, was created as an imaginary alien friend. Uh, Spielberg created him in 1960 after his parents got a divorce. Ooh. Yeah. And so he created this weird little alien imaginary friend. I think this is one of his most personal that films. He, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That he, he considered it to be the brother he never had mm. and the father that left. Wow. That's yeah. deep and super, super sad. <laughs> It is. It is. Divorce uh, can be devastating, or it can turn you into Steven Spielberg. I mean, you know, knowing from childhood tragedy, it's you do tend to escape into your if you if you are lucky enough to have one, you escape in your imagination. I spent yeah. you know countless hours making bases for my Star Wars guys oh, yeah. and creating scenarios yeah. and stories and you know just by myself because. Mm-hmm. It's a safe thing to do. You you retreat into your own worlds, and in, and and either you get Spielberg or you get Bundy. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> well, <laughs> or me, true. which is a that's little bit true. of both. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it, it was a very personal movie for him. He he actually in 1978 Spielberg announced that he was going to do a new film called Growing Up, uh, which was about a, a kid uh, growing up. Pretty self-explanatory, well, yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, but it was delayed due to reshoots for 1941. Right, uh, great movie. Yes, yep. Ridiculous flop. Uh, but he really, really liked the idea of the small coming-of-age movie. Like he, mm-hmm. he really wanted to do something much more personal. Uh, at the same time, he was also developing a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Really? With John Sayles. Oh yeah, uh, amazing director, writer, one of the out. greatest. Uh, yeah. Uh, Love that movie so much. Independent writer. He started with uh, Corman as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, in fact, that's just how that was the connection between mm-hmm. Spielberg and him. Yeah, yep. it was the, the the writing. Roger the Corman movie. is pretty much the connection for everybody. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from like 1965 to 1999. <laughs> so this movie, this sequel to Close Encounters, which is also a fantastic movie, uh, the sequel was being called Night Skies. Ooh. Uh, this is a fascinating I, – I, I dove deep into this movie nice. because it never got made. No. But the script uh, inspired about ten different yeah, movies. Yeah, it's insane. And it's like, insane the movies that – yeah. Yeah. Um, one of them being E.T., which yep. we'll talk about. Uh, the never made E.T. sequel, which – uh, we'll also talk about it a little bit later. Poltergeist, uh, Poltergeist, uh, Gremlins, Critters, Signs, the the uh, M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Yes, and, and it, but it was the 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 corn. You know, mm-hmm. like the corn was the big thing. Yeah. That was the connector, uh, which you see in in ET. Uh, yes, we will talk about corn. <laughs> uh, Spielberg's World of the World War of the Worlds adaptation, and even John Sayles' uh, movie, The Brother from Another Planet. Yeah, which if you haven't seen Brother from Another Planet. Fantastic. Do it. It is Absolutely one of the fantastic. greatest, like, and most subtle sci-fi movies ever. It was essentially Night Skies was was based around the the story of the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, where a Kentucky family claimed they had been terrorized by these like gremlin like yeah. aliens. It's a weird story. It's a super weird story. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, and essentially there were eleven. It was probably just raccoons. Crazy. <laughs> <they're> probably <laughs> they well, you drink enough moonshine, it could be anything. Yeah, get that shine. There were eleven evil aliens that would terrorize uh, them, te- like just. And then there's one alien that wanted to be friends with the little boy that his dad was an alcoholic and. Wait, is this the movie? Or this what was happened? Night okay. Skies. This is, well, I mean, I don't. I'm assuming that probably happened in did, the Kelly. Did, there was one little alien that 
<laughs> there was befriended? one that made a, made a friend. Wow. That's, That's actually what they, they based Mac and Me on. Was, uh, Mac yeah. and Me was based on the commercial <laughs> success of E.T. and had to rip it off from McDonald's. Uh... <laughs> I think the only Mac and Me anybody's ever seen is the Paul Rudd clip that he always played on oh. Conan O'Brien. I, see, I remember, distinctly remember watching that movie growing up and thinking, wow, this is such a bad ripoff. It's, watch it. It is so wrong <laughs> in so many weird ways. It is just disturbing. It's like if E.T. were made in a disturbing alternate reality, it would be Mac and Me. <laughs> There's nothing cute about that alien. It looks, oh. oh I love it. I love it. <laughs> nope. So uh, while Spielberg was filming Raiders in Tunisia, he uh, really missed his family. He 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 was very alone. He talked about mm-hmm. it being some of the most. Uh, um, he kind of got out of his head. And, yeah, there was and, nothing like, to do in 1980s yeah. Tunisia. And he was he was doing these like action movies yeah. like, or this action movie of like you know blowing stuff up and like he was you know killing Nazis and like it was it was just a weird time for him. Mm. And and I think he got really introspective and decided he wanted to to do a a more personal movie. Sure. Uh, he had this script uh, called Night Skies that he then read out loud to Melissa Matheson because uh, strangely enough, Melissa Math. This one didn't know how to read. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best writers, but she could not read a word she wrote. That's the tragedy. She was she was there because she was dating Harrison Ford. I ended up marrying and, uh, him. Ended up getting, getting married. Uh, getting divorced. And getting divorced. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford doesn't seem like he can settle down too easily. He's been with Callista Flockhart. For oh, that's a while. true. They've been together for yeah. a long time. He has that's a bunch right. of kids from from. Oh, yeah. I think he's married two or three times. Yeah, I think that was. I think that was his third. Um, anyway, I tell you, I do not know. Uh, but he so he read the script to her, and the part that really grabbed Melissa Matheson was. That weird little alien that was friends with the little kid. Yeah. And she cried. She cried at the end. She was like, she loved the idea of this alien being. Is that script available? Can you read that script? I did not find it. Because I really want to read that script. I Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it was a horror movie. Like, it's not. I mean, the, the thing that fascinates me is that it was able to spawn something like E.T., which is this beautiful, heartwarming story. Oh, sure. and, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like. So just about every script you're going to – every movie that you see, if you read the first draft of that script, oh, yeah, yeah. it would be 180 oh, degrees. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. That was my, my favorite story about that it was uh, the guy who wrote um, – well, he didn't – he was writing a biopic uh, about uh, Cuba in mm-hmm. the revolution and his script got bought and he didn't hear anything. He didn't hear anything. Got paid really well. Didn't hear, didn't hear anything, and then the movie came out, and it was Dirty Dancing too. Havana Nights, <laughs> baby. I knew that was coming. Yeah. It was, yeah. I uh, and he was like, "Well, I got paid for it, exactly. so I guess." But yeah. literally, not a single line of dialogue, nothing from his script no. made it to that final. But he got credit for writing. No, but but this script is great. I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. So the touches that the touches that Spielberg does, and that Matheson did in the script too. Yeah. yeah. Just the little things, like when you're a kid, you kind of see people as like big hat guy or you know dirty shoes guy. And yeah. Like, so you got yeah. jingly yeah. keys. You guy. associate. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Keys. Johnny Keys. Johnny yeah. Keys. Who you know uh, Peter Coyote. Who you, you never see. You just see the keys. Like it's from 
E.T.'s point of view, but it's also from a kid's point of view. Yeah, yeah, it was able to connect yeah. uh, from that. It was great. Yeah, he purposely did that, which I never, I did, literally did not really like. Oh yeah, really realize until yeah. this last watch through. Yeah, it's like the the point of view is so important in this film mm-hmm. because you know you see when you see stuff from the kid's point of view and it's looking up and it's scary and yeah. you know yeah and you don't and, and you. And I didn't notice this until you pointed it out, was that you don't, except for the mom, you really don't see any grown-ups' faces. No, not until they, the big – the NASA comes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't even really see their faces. <laughs> no, either, you don't see them in, for a while. For yeah. some reason, they're in spaceman outfits. Yeah, they need to be astronauts, apparently, to come in and get the – But, the, uh, but yeah, and <laughs> I, was, I was saying, too, is be like, hey, mom, I got me in a Spielberg movie. I'm playing a cop. I got lines and everything with the main stars. And then they shoot from behind and go, and he's like, well, when are you going to turn the camera and put it on my face? Nope. Yeah, bad news, Ricky. <laughs> Spielberg was very drawn by how Matheson reacted to this, and so yeah. he decided that he was going to can Night Skies, and he wanted to focus on this smaller movie. Such a shame, and... but such a wealth of films yeah. that yeah. came from one script. I mean, we got to do a Night Skies oh, episode yeah. just yeah. because it's like this mythic. It's fascinating. Yeah. I just uh, And it, it it actually kind of pissed some people off. Friggin' Rick Baker put in <laughs> half a million bucks. He he had been developing so much of the aliens and yeah. stuff, and, and he was so mad at Spielberg. I'm out. I'm out. So mad. Because Spielberg wanted him to, to work on E.T., sure. and he was just essentially flipped him yeah. off and was like, I, I don't, don't think blame so. blame him. Man. It was just like, God. Yeah. But that's how, you know. But that's how they got uh, Carlo Rambaldi to work on yes. it, uh, who had done the stuff for Close Encounters, and mm-hmm. he's a very strange artist. <laughs> Likes them long, skinny necks. It's so weird. It's just so weird. Well, it, E.T. would not have worked if it weren't for the eyes. The eyes right. were right. all E.T., because the rest of him is just gross. It's, he's this moist little every, burn the, victim. The other, the, watching it again, something mm. I didn't realize, and maybe it's because I was watching VHS and not, yeah. but like seeing it on the DVD we watched it on. Uh, not even seeing HD, but every time you see a close-up of his skin, it's pulsing. Yeah, like I, was, I just never. And it was so weird. And it's and all creepy. it's always moist. Yeah, <laughs> it's very wet. It's very, I wonder what he smelled when like. he was using the remote and stuff. Yeah. And like there was just it was just like film. I'm surprised the mom wasn't like, "What's this goo everywhere?" And that's what she was smelling in the beer can. She was like, probably Ooh. well, she did have a teenage son, so there's probably goo everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, but the eyes because it's just like it wouldn't have worked. That was you know? uh, Kathleen Kennedy actually went to the uh, I think it's the Janet Stein Eye Institute or something Ooh. and and had them study because she she studied real eyes mm-hmm. and glass eyes because they were she knew that that eye connection would yeah. be how you would win people over yeah. and they spent a lot of time doing research on how to, yeah. to make those eyes. Well, play. if the puppet doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. If you can't yeah. cry at the end of ET. Because you you know you love this dirty little bastard, <laughs> you know, then it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And and the flip side is if you don't have kid actors that are phenomenal, right? Then right. it doesn't work. And right. the mixture of a good puppet with great eyes, yeah, and the trio of Henry Thomas and Drew Barrymore and McNaughton, McNaughton, yeah, yeah, those kids were so good, and they worked so well together, and they did such a good job of portraying siblings. Yeah, they and did. The they did. They're sitting around know. the dinner table, some of that dialogue is just—it it feels like you're. It's very cinema yeah, verite. and, the, and like, you know they and they get the divorce stuff in there with the mom and like oh, Mexico, you know it's yeah. it's all 
so real. And and if you didn't care for the family, again, there's so many moving parts to this. And if one moving part gets out of whack, right, it doesn't right. work. You know, if it's too ham-fisted with the cops or if it's too much with the this, you know. Right. But the, you know, the mystery of like we don't know who's searching for E.T. And right. Good guys are bad yeah. guys. And, you know, and the fact that the spin with Coyote is he's basically a grown-up version of Elliot. Yeah. yeah. You know. He's just curious. He's a, he, the yeah. same dream he had. But it's right. like, you know. It's it's fa- it's it's fascinating that this I I don't know if this movie could be made today. Uh, I, I yeah. don't think it could be made. I think it would be too much committee. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, think it could be yeah. made as pure. No, today. It, I, it Spielberg had a lot of control over it um, to the point where after he said no to Night Skies, Columbia Pictures, who he had the deal with with uh, Close Encounters, and then wanting the sequel. He brought them the script that that um, Matheson had written, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, "We wanted a horror movie. Yeah, like, this we is a Disney crap. Movie. We yeah. don't want this. They, we don't want this. Like, this isn't you know, this isn't what we asked for." And so they essentially waited for the option to to expire. And about six months later, <laughs> this is how much power Spielberg had. He literally went to Sid Sheinberg, president of MCA, which owned yeah. Universal, and told him to buy the script from Columbia. Well, yeah, of course, because you don't. You know, it's short-sighted. Spielberg is an asset that you're yes. going to want for years yes. and years to come. You want yeah. his next movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was, I mean, yeah. all the guys that worked with these guys that had vision, you know, right. and that recognized the vision, those are good studio heads. These are good executives. Yeah, yeah, the exactly. ones that see the exactly. vision. The they ones that aren't yeah. – the worst ones are the idiots that – think they're creative or whatever and just push their stupid vision on you know what i mean and they yeah, try to cram yeah. themselves in there because they're so insecure the, yeah yeah smart it's guys really, know what they're good at you get movies like yeah. wild wild west yes <laughs> an amazing movie so sid scheinberg he bought uh, the script from columbia for a million dollars and five percent of the profits Ooh. columbia wanted five percent of the profits because they still weren't stupid they yeah. knew that it's spielberg, spielberg. Uh, and in fact, shortly uh, after the movie was released, <laughs> yeah. the president of Columbia admitted that they made more money from E.T. Five percent than any of their own movies yeah. that year. Good choices, Columbia. That was good work. Was that before Coke bought Columbia? Columbia was in. Uh, in bad. It was a, maybe it was. Yeah. I think it was right before that. Because Columbia, oh, it was not doing well. It was not making good choices. They were not making good choices. They were not. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a little bit about the production of yeah, E.T. Yeah. All right. All right, so when did it go in production? Uh, it went into production in September of uh, 1981. Let's and talk a little bit about um, the casting process. Yeah, sure. Uh, because the way he got the kids, the way he's he was brilliant at casting children. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like he would bring them in and be like, read these lines. Right. He'd be like, well, tell me a story or, you know, what what's going on? And Case in point, Drew Barrymore, her imagination. <laughs> she was five. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. stuff she was coming up with just blew him away. And he's like, well, she's Gertie. Yeah. You know? She improvised a story about being the lead of a punk band <laughs> five. at five years old. Uh, and so he was like, yeah, you're, this is it. She's, yeah. she's Phenomenal. so good in this movie. Phenomenal. So she is the movie. heart of this. I mean, I mean, same with Elliot, but she is just so cute she, and it, so innocent, real. Yeah. yeah. And the way she reacts off of him, that's another thing. 
she sells it, baby. Oh yeah, like yeah. she sells it. They all do, but she in particular, because you know, if you don't get that little girl, if it's she's right. got that look right. on her face, like it's a puppet, you know. But she <laughs> believed ET was real. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and that was that was actually part of of Spielberg's genius yeah. is that they shot it in chronological yes. order, specifically so the kids could bond yeah. with ET, mm-hmm. and he made sure that they never saw the puppeteers. Yep. That. That the scene when McNaughton, when he uh, sees E.T. for the first time and he hits the, the shelving, yeah. he wasn't supposed to do that. That was literally the first time he saw him. Oh, wow. Came yeah, yeah, yeah. And he banged up and knocked down the part of the wall. That's great. I mean, that's why he was such a great director of kids. Yeah. He knew – he was a kid – or is a kid yeah. at heart. You know, And at least at the, in the beginnings of his career – it was all about fulfilling his childhood dreams. I mean, you right. know, right, exactly. Raiders was making the serials that he loved to watch as a kid, he and Lucas. Uh, Close Encounters was the dream yeah. of being on an alien spaceship. You know, this was the dream of his imaginary best friend and substitute right. dad, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> you yeah. know, but it's like yeah. when, is some, when, when, when things are so personal and of your youth and, and you're good at it, it, when you're a kid and you watch it, you believe it because he's he's showing you your world. Right. And when you're an adult and you watch it, you're like taken back into your own childhood. Because even if that's not your childhood, yeah. it's still – he has the – it's the attitude. He knows kids. Like he, it's right. not cloying. It's not crap. It's it's like he – these – his kids in his movies are always really like poltergeist. All the movies – you know, I know he just produced that. But it's like – Yeah, yeah, but still. You know, he does such a good job of directing children – yeah, yeah, he does. He does. And uh, and it was – well, that was part of it too because he was actually – Toby Hooper was going to be one – who's going to direct Night Sky, the sequel because he, he didn't – Spielberg was like, I'm just going to produce it. I don't yeah. want to – you know. But th- that's why – part of the reason why he ended up directing Poltergeist was because he – Spielberg wanted him to do Night Skies. And um, Poltergeist is so – is very similar to E.T. in yeah. terms of just the, the suburban mm-hmm. setting, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that's another one where it's just like I remember watching that and just being like, it's like watching your neighborhood. Oh, you know? I, I, yeah, I that movie that was one of the first movies that really scared the piss. Oh, jeez, man, like, the clown. I, yeah, I had grown up. Or we'll too. do it. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Have a lot of very <laughs> yeah. nightmarish stories. Thirteen <laughs> percent of our episodes. Yeah, we'll, we'll do yeah, this one as an episode too. Carlo Rambaldi. Who we talked about a little bit earlier, Carlo Rambaldi. There you go. Thank you. He sounds like he was. Uh, it sounds like the fake name that Brad Pitt gives in *Inglorious Bastards*. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was a he was an artist, and he worked with uh, him on uh, *Close Encounters*. So he asked him to create the actual ET himself. Uh, he based the look off of Carl Sandburg, Albert Einstein, Ernest, Ernest Hemingway, and a dog? A pug. A, a pug. pug dog. Okay. You can really see the pug. Yeah, yeah. Those I don't see a lot of Einstein, there. but I see a lot of pug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Carlo Rambaldi, he was a weird But that's dude. the thing. I mean, what a tricky thing, because you can't make it cute and fuzzy. You know, you can't. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, he has to be this weird, gross-looking Yeah, thing. it all is on, like I said before, it all <laughs> hinges on the puppet. And somehow yeah, this yeah. mishmash, weird, lumpy thing worked. Oh yeah, because yeah. the eyes. Well, the eyes and and the the hands. They had actually hired a mime to, mm, yep. to do the hands to puppeteer the hands. Uh, but the actual inside of the ET was uh, it alternated between three people. There was two little people and this twelve year old kid who was born without legs. Yeah, a little legless boy. Every time that you see ET walking and falling down, like the awkward walking, that was the boy in the suit walking on his hands. Yeah. 
and they had they could see through the chest. They had eyes or eye holes in the chest, but uh, but it was it was done so well. Mm-hmm. Like it was everything was just so spot on. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know the aliens are very interesting. They're these weird little botanists. They come to planets just to sample their plant life. Yeah, and, they're you know, not. They're not harm. You know, they're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just like, hey, we're scientists. Yeah, they don't come. Like nobody. They've probably been visiting here forever, and nobody well, they, knows. They must have, because otherwise, uh, Johnny Keys wouldn't have been. Oh, following. Johnny Keys, <laughs> jingly, jingly, jingly. Here comes Johnny Keys. Because they knew. They knew as soon as the, as soon as they started taking off. Like yeah. they knew that the, they were coming. So. Yeah. No, I just I, I love the fact that. That they're not even they're not benevolent, they're not anything. They're just like they're scientists. Yeah, they're, they're just, just coming they're just and taking like, samples, man, I you know? know. They probably look at us as being these weird hairless apes that they yeah. just kinda get in the way sometimes. <laughs> With boomsticks. <laughs> so the the suit itself took three months to build and cost one and a half million dollars. Wow. It's expensive. Which is interesting because the budget for this movie was only ten and a half million dollars. Well, I mean, again I, uh, yeah, you, you had know. to. You had to. I mean it's you got to sell it on the the suit because I mean, yeah, exactly. eventually, eventually, I mean, they they did he did a really good job of like hiding the reveal of him, but mm-hmm. eventually you had to see him. Yes, it wasn't it. you couldn't jaws it. No, you know you no. couldn't hide it. He because that's that's the opposite of a horror movie because right. a horror movie you know you you show as little as possible to create the imagination of scares. You can't do that when you're trying to create an emotional bond. You have to see – you have to bond and right. fall in love with the thing. You can't fall in love with a shadow, <laughs> you know? There's yeah. just no way to do it. There's no way around it. No, no. It's it, – you have to show it. And, and, and he knew. And it and it works. I mean there's definitely times where he was very strange looking. I, I can understand a friend of ours yes. was terrified by terrified. this movie. Well, because when he first meets him in the in, – in the, Cornfield. Is it time to talk about the cornfield? Yeah, man, let's talk about cornfield, <laughs> first of all. Okay, so this was shot in subdivisions in, in, the, in, in the, the valley, valley of Like Topanga and, and our, yeah, not Topanga, Tahunga and uh, um, oh, some other places around here, but in the valley. Yeah, Canoga Park. Yeah. You know, uh, there's no corn. There's no corn around here. There's no corn in the shots. There's no corn in the establishing shots. There's no Every corn they're up in the, the mountains. Every time they're up on the top, yeah, yeah, looking down, there's no corn. There's no corn. And the the cornfield, the magical cornfield, that maybe it's the same cornfield from uh, uh, Field of Dreams. I don't know, this magical <laughs> cornfield that pops up from movie to movie. This cornfield is huge, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's very tall corn. And I understand so why they did it, because... They had to build a sound stage because they couldn't film at night with the kids. Yeah, yeah. So they had to build a sound stage, right, and a right. cornfield is very mysterious and it's very American, and yeah, yeah and I get yeah. it. But they didn't even try to like nowhere you know, on s- make it <laughs> smooth with the other shots where there's obviously it's like all of a sudden the backyard is Iowa. Yeah, and then the yeah. rest of it is California. Oh, it yeah. makes no. It drives me crazy. Um, Every time the corn oh, man, pops the up, corn. But it's just it's like I get it. It's really pretty. But that's the thing about him. He doesn't give a crap about that stuff. You know, no, it's like no. it 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 has to look good. It's all about creating a, 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 the visuals and it, the story and it stuff. Evoked it evoked the emotion he wanted. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff be damned. You know, and I get it. You know, I didn't think of it as a kid. Honestly, I never thought about the cornfield until we just watched it, and now I can't see anything but this ridiculous <laughs> now freaking cornfield. Never watch it again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but in that scene, you know, 
he screams. He's scary, and he scared it our is, friend yeah, yeah, Terry yeah. pretty bad. Oh, friend Terry, he he was uh, he was pretty young. Terry was thirty two when he, he saw was it. For the <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a little kid, but yeah, it's just, I get it. I mean, you, you know what scared me? When I was a tiny little child, we went to Disneyland, and there used to be this uh, ride called, I think it was called the People Mover. And you get in this thing, and it shrinks you down, and you go, and you, it's a goofy ride, but you go through like okay. molecules. Oh, and okay, okay. It's kind of a science. Okay. It's very tame, man. Okay. The thing moves at, at, like, snails were lapping yeah, us. Yeah. But I, and, and there's like these tubes with these little things in it that looks like they were shrunken cars, the little cars oh. with little people. Oh, okay. I freaking lost my mind. I just like I don't want to be shrunk. What if we can't bring us? What if they can't unshrink us? So as soon as we get shrunk down and we're in the thing, I'm just like, <laughs> my mom's like, calm down, calm down. And it, I almost stopped the ride, I think, because I was shrieking because I was wow. so afraid of being wow. And I was 28, no. but but I was but I get it. It's like there's things that are like not scary, but you know, as a kid, it's the concept of like being yeah. shrunk or this crazy alien. I get it. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. you don't know what's. That's why I, I, I'm really yeah. glad I didn't have kids because you don't know what's going to mess them up. No, no, totally. I mean, for me, the scariest thing for me growing up was Wizard of Oz and her turning into the witch. Oh yeah, that. I I had so many nightmares about that. Yeah, I mean so you're I, not alone on I that one. I get it. I get with Terry where he's coming from. Yeah. I get you know it's it's just something that's imprinted in your mind. Yeah, and that's it. And well, he like, I mean he's meant to be kind of an ominous figure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean know. you've been building they've been building him up that whole that, time. That, like, it's a what is it? classic horror shot. Yeah. The reveal. Yeah. You know oh, yeah. when when Elliot's sleeping on the Chase Lounge next to the giant phantom <laughs> cornfield in front of their shack and. uh you know, and then all of a sudden he's standing there in the shadows. He's just and it's there. like, ooh. It's very signs. It's yeah. Very, very, very night much. skies, night skies. Uh, yeah. So the major voice work for E.T. Uh, was performed by one lady. Ooh. Her name was Pat Welsh. Yeah. She oh, smoked Patty. two packs a day. Oh, and uh, Ben Burt, who did all the sound effects, uh, who also worked with Star Lucas Wars and Star Wars. And, yeah. and, uh, one of the greatest sound guys in the yes, biz. Yes. That, I would love his career because he just like wanders around with a tape recorder, like <laughs> he like hit like a, a metal with metal to see what that sounds like. He's like, oh, here's a you know, just walking around finding sounds. So Pat Pat Welsh, uh, she did a nine and a half hours of recording. He paid her three hundred and eighty dollars <laughs> and fourteen cartons of cigarettes, and for apparently, and uh, and she uh, was the voice of. E.T. Now, that wasn't it. He also yeah, added another stuff. There was him, like, Spe- Spielberg himself. Spielberg himself. There was Deborah uh, Winger. His his sleeping wife who had a cold, <laughs> yeah. which I swear at one point I heard and I was like, oh, that had to be. Yeah. That had to be. Like uh, a burp from a professor, right? Yeah. Some raccoons, otters, horses, uh, anything he could figure out that would be weird. And Yeah. And well, I mean, it's alien. there's a lot of weird little grunts and groans and... Blips and bloops. <laughs> there is. So it took them 61 days to shoot. They they started uh, actually doing the exterior stuff, and then they moved into sound stages yeah. for 42 days. Well, it uh, must have taken must have taken some time to shoot it in, in sequence because, you know, you're going yeah, to bounce I, back and forth. that's the thing. Because like, it wasn't totally ins- – I'm guessing they probably did the chase. I think they did the chase stuff first, I like, with them in the van and things. Yeah. I don't think it was totally shot in complete order. I think most of the, the bonding stuff was shot in order, and then that way they could get, you know, the him actual crying because he said right. that his puppet friend is leaving. Sure. Going to space. Yeah. 
Going back home, buddy. Going back home. But they shot it in 61 days and actually finished it four days ahead of schedule. Nice. Because that is what Steven Spielberg does. Well, that's what pros did back then. They Ooh. weren't a bunch of guys. You know, they were the guys that were, like, having strippers and coke on set. And, yeah. you know, they were the guys that worked. And yeah. Spielberg was a definite workhorse. I mean, the man loves and his work. what have we learned about our inside baseball in Hollywood? Finish things early and under budget. Sure. But it still doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what we've learned? Nothing matters. That's true. It doesn't it's all really matter. Just a hellscape just... of questions with no answers. Uh, but it's a it's a lovely place to be. John Williams uh, composed the score. Uh, as usual, anything and everything that John Williams sent to Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg said, "Yes, oh, this is amazing." Course. The guy. There's no other composer like him. There's no other composer. No. That's so epic. He's the most epic. There's a reason why they play John Williams at the 4th of July every year. You know? Yeah. Oh, in, yeah. On yeah. The, in, in Boston. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, the score was, was specifically done to be very dreamlike. He used a lot of, uh, um, what, what they called colorful instruments, like, uh, your xylophone mm-hmm. and your harp and yeah. things that were more dreamy. It was very magical. Yes. Yeah. Very magical. You know, I mean, cause look, I mean, the imagery, there's that iconic image of the bike and the moon. And then they yeah. do the bikes in the sun, oh, um, yeah. which is like apocalypse now. <laughs> this movie, Pretty much, you know, I know Easter egg comes from video games. You know, that concept was yeah. developed in video games. I think the first one was a video game, you know, in 1978 yeah. or something. Well, it was it was finding an actual Easter egg. There was Yeah, exactly, yeah. which yeah. makes sense because, yeah. hence, that's why they call them Easter eggs. But this movie was filled with Easter eggs. Yeah. You know, from uh, when E.T.'s rubbing his face to the same thing as Elliot is. You know, mm-hmm. that's just from Jaws with uh, Brody and his son at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. You know, his son yeah. aping his, uh, his facial movements. You know, they have the Star Wars guys. They have yeah. Yeah, uh, Yoda. And it, which is really funny because as we know, as we know, nerds, that uh, <laughs> E.T., the E.T.'s are part of the Star Wars universe because, you know, they are in the Galactic Senate in uh, the first prequel trilogy. The Phantom Menace. Yeah, so when he when so it gives even more credence to when uh, E.T. sees Yoda and he's like, home. Because yeah, he literally goes you know, to him, yeah. It makes it a much more interesting scene with the Phantom Menace, you know. yeah. That was uh, actually Spielberg suggested that yeah. uh, Ted Lucas to put him in, and which is Lucas I love is like, those sure. guys. It must be so much fun to be those two. Yeah, you know, especially like in the seventies and eighties, like just going up together oh, and cream the and, yeah. and everything, everything except for nineteen forty one and Howard the Duck, but everything else <laughs> was I gold. Liked Howard the Duck. No, but I mean in terms of critical success. Y- yes, you know, I yes. mean fine. And I I like nineteen forty one, I think it's awesome. It's hilarious. It's a hilarious mess. But you know, these <laughs> it just must have been so much fun to be those two. Yeah, it was yeah, I mean they have and we'll yeah, we'll we'll go more into that in our, our stepdad's show. Oh yeah. Uh, more discussions about that. Uh, <laughs> I do also just want to point out uh, before we we pop out to our next uh, promo that ET got the idea to phone home from a Buck Rogers comic strip. Yes, from Real Madrid. <laughs> she was. Yeah, in, it was me, baby. Making, <laughs> I was making. A, I was trapped on a planet, and I had to make a thing to get back to Buck. And so uh, ET was like, Real Madrid. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get going, and I'm going to get blowing. And he got going. 
he did. He did. And thank thanks, God. Thanks, for, Wilma, for coming yeah, back. I appreciate Yeah, I appreciate her uh, popping in to do that. It was great. I love that it was Wilma. I, yeah, me too. I did not I did not know that. I mean, I knew it was a I Buck t- Rogers cartoon. I had not. Before we re- rewatched this, I literally don't think I've seen E.T. in probably 20 years. Yeah, it's been a while. I, and you forget a lot of little, you know. Yeah, yeah. Little details that just. That just, just make it so perfect. I mean, it is a perfect movie. It is a perfect yeah. movie. I would agree with that. That. Except for okay, except for the cornfield and the Halloween costumes. Which yes, thank you, Adam. <laughs> thank you. The Halloween costumes are so bizarre, and the best acting in that movie is when uh, D. Wallace comes out and is like, <laughs> "Oh my god, look at you! You look so good!" And it's like, "What? You got a a, a mishmashed." Ghost thing where the eye holes don't even match one droopy old chunk <laughs> like eye hole. One was from down by his goonies, nipple or yeah. something. Yeah, and then and then a hobo with a knife through his head. Yeah, what is? I, and then he's a hunchback. And then why is he a hunchback with a grave? I don't get it. I don't. It's not. It doesn't make any sense. The weird, the weird zombie kid. And yeah, like, I mean, the, they had more on their mind, I guess, than getting their costumes. I mean, together. to the point, ET didn't even get it because he tried to save him from having the blade. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> I just, it didn't make any sense. I just don't understand. Yeah, the cornfield and the costumes. But again, somebody the, dropped you know, the ball. This, although they did meet Yoda later, so I was going to say that you know it's before there was a lot of like pop culture no, costumes. Had, you know, but they had that stuff. But it was mostly like cowboys and. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> they had hobos. Yeah, <laughs> hobos. We all, but honestly, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I dressed up as like the Hulk once and stuff. But a lot of times, I was a hobo or a yeah, pirate. I did. I did hobo, the hobo was a big I did the hobo kid was a hobo times. because yeah. the parents are like, we burn a cork, we get some of Dad's old clothes, we'll cut it up, we'll get him a true. hat and a bindle, <laughs> and you're a hobo. You're, good to go. yep. you're a hobo as long as you got that bindle. <laughs> yeah, you got to have that bindle. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let's uh, pop out to a promo, and then we will uh, come back with a special guest, Ooh. a special interview. Nice. Uh, welcome back. We are here with our very special guest. He flew all the way from a very long way in. It is the one and only E.T. Hello, Adiom. Oh, wow, you made my name three syllables. Yes. That's great. Uh, how was your flight in? Boy, are my arms tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad that you made it. Uh, What have you been up to the last 40 years? Are you still a botanist? I got in a lot of trouble. When you went back to Mm. Brogo Asogi? Yes. Brogo Asogi and pissed. I can imagine. I mean, you got left behind. Did yeah, you? Did it's... you get left? Did you stay behind on purpose? It's complicated, but there was a girl. Wow! Wait. I was dating on the ship. Oh, and you <laughs> you didn't want to yeah, go back. No. Okay, I get you. That makes sense. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, eventually they did come back. It was either that or death. No, they... I had to go back. So have you been uh, keeping up with Elliot? Yes. Oh, that's good. uh, Have you seen him recently? Elliot and 
E.T. our besties. Oh, that's good. Yes, I met his family uh, recently. Oh, really? What, mm. what were you guys doing? We made snowmen oh. and ate cup. What cakes? <laughs> Sorry, what uh, what brought you guys back together? What was the reason? Money. <laughs> Xfinity gave us many Reese's pieces. If you know what I'm saying, money. So, what have you been doing with your time? Then, are you still a botanist? I have been. St- Working on a podcast. Oh, I imagine your podcasts are, what, five hours long? Because I speak so slowly. And that's all the time that we have. Uh, Good luck. You have beautiful eyes, Adiyam. Great interview, man. That was good. Uh, that is, it's interesting. I yeah. feel bad that he didn't uh, well, get paid. There's not know. a lot. I mean, what are you going to do? Look, I get it. The guy messed up. You know that rescue mission had to cost billions of dollars. Oh, I can't even go back imagine. to get one guy. <laughs> to get one guy. Yeah, one guy, and he's like, "Oh, I brought a potted plant, fellas." Yeah, but okay. Here's the thing. Now, I, I have a question. <laughs> okay. Rewatching this movie again, mm-hmm. the beginning, they just leave him behind. Yeah. Now, did they just not do like a head count? No, they knew. They were like, their little heart lights are going, bleep, 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 time to go. And then all the gun guys were coming. And, you know, the scientists, not the gun guys. Yeah. But they were all coming. Johnny they were Keys. like, Johnny Keys and his, and his, and the his ketones. Jingle were, jingles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Johnny Keys and the jingle jangles. <laughs> nice. Uh, Johnny G's and the Keys and the Jingle Jangles were, you know, getting too close. And they had to go. They had to get out before they got caught. So, but wouldn't they have just come back anyway? Well, they thought he probably got just, killed. They were it, just like, whatever, he's dead. Well, they saw the pursuit, you know. It just seems really callous on okay, their part. You know like, those Vietnam movies, right? Where okay. everybody's get to the chapel and everybody's yeah. like, you know, the guy's running the chopper. And then there's the one guy that's like, Toom. You know, he's getting shot. And then they're like, oh, we got to leave him because he's going to get killed anyway, right? Right. But then you find out later, that guy didn't die. He got captured. And then they go back and they rescue him. It's the same thing, baby. Yeah. So we're just we're just seeing not that part of it. We're seeing them coming back because it's like, okay, so just like in the Vietnam movie where they think the guy's shot and killed, they're like, mm, E.T.'s dead. But not until the sp- Speak and say umbrella. Speak and spell. Speak yeah. and spell umbrella Rube Goldberg machine. Communication. With the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's another thing. Um, <laughs> until they got the word from that, they were like, oh, he's dead. Okay, Ronnie is sense. dead. That His name's sense. Ronnie. Ronnie is dead. Oh, Ronnie. That mm-hmm. was E.T.'s name. Yeah. Not E.T. No. But Ronnie. Yeah. His name was E.T. They were all named extraterrestrial. Well, I mean, I was just saying it's important for us to call him E.T. His name was Ethan Thomas, but he was like, okay, I'll go by E.T. related to Henry Thomas? No, strangely enough. 
They were from <laughs> they were uh, not related. No, oh, he crazy. was from the Rigel Seven. Oh, Rigel Thomases, seven. and then you know the other the kid was from the Earth Thomases. Soul, the soul yeah. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This the soul system. This that's what it's called, the soul system. Yes, S O L soul system. Soul because soul means sun. That is yes. Wow. Learn something Science, new every babies. day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. That's why they came back. They didn't know. They thought he was dead. They thought he got captured. Just think of Vietnam. Okay. That makes more sense then. Yeah. I mean. I, I, I couch everything in Vietnam. I just would think that if they have the technology to literally fly millions of light years. They're botanists. You, they'd have the technology to be like, yeah, he's still alive. We know he's still alive. They don't have any clothes or anything on, man. They're, it's not like he's got a. That's <laughs> true. A, they do run around like naked. a wristband communicator. They're very simple, you know, scientist guys. All right, all right. They're not looking to cause any trouble. You're just, you're just such a extraterrestrial apologist. alien apologist. <laughs> Look, man, you're coming in hot. <laughs> you know, these guys aren't the you know. They don't. It's not like they have a a, a rescue squad. No, I mean obviously no. They weren't going to come in and like try to bust him out of like jail or something. I they, mean, they probably just were like, all right, let's move on to the next planet. And they were on the next planet grabbing their plants, and then they heard the beep pop, the, boop, pop, yeah. beep pop, and they're like, oh, go back and get Ethan. Guess he's still alive. <laughs> Wait, not Ronnie? What his name was Ethan Ronnie. Thomas. Oh yeah, I know. Well, Ronnie well, is his nickname. Oh, he goes by Ronnie. Yeah. But E.T., Ethan Thomas. Ethan Ronnie Thomas. His middle Ethan name is Ronald. Ronald. Ert. Ert. Yeah. <laughs> He's Ert. Ethan <laughs> Ronald Thomas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the movie the movie did really well. Obviously, when it came out, it was in theaters forever. Yeah. And it got re-released. Uh, they were actually talking about doing a, a sequel to it, uh, which was going to be more more of a horror movie Kind yeah, of. it was called ET Two Nocturnal Fe- Fears. Oh, sounds like, um, like yeah. a wet dream or something. <laughs> bad. Not, it sounds like a Judy Bloom novel about a kid being afraid of going to camp because of his <laughs> wet dream problem. <laughs> I have nocturnal fears. Billy Buddy and his nocturnal fears. Uh, it would have shown Elliot and his friends getting kidnapped by evil aliens and attempting to contact ET for help. Uh, very similar, similarly to Night Skies. Mm. Uh, you know, they were like, "Hey, we can probably incorporate some of this into it," uh, but Spielberg decided against pursuing it, feeling it would quote would do nothing but rob the original of its virginity. Yeah. E.T. is not about going back to the planet. No, and there was no. That is definitely one that did not need a sequel no. or a reboot or anything. It, it, it just is what it not. is, and let it be. Yeah, it was because uh, you know it'd be like. Now, today, they do like this. It'd be Elliot's in his 40s, and he's an alcoholic and <laughs> happy, you know. He's divorced just like his dad. He's he's in Mexico, you know, with his girlfriend, you know, and everything's you know, going bad for him. And, and then E.T. has to come down. They have to go on some adventure to rescue. It'd just be awful. It would be awful. And then they would take that script and develop it into a sitcom about them being roommates down in, like, Now, that would be Lucas. awesome. <laughs> now, that I would watch. It'd be like Perfect Strangers. <laughs> E.T., Perfect Strangers. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad they didn't. Although they did do uh, the guy who novelized the the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Lord, what's his name? It's uh, William Kotzwinkle. Oof. Ooh, that's yeah. a mouthful. William Kotzwinkle. He actually released a sequel in 1985, a novel sequel, called E.T., The Book of the Green Planet. Oh, I think I might have read that. it is that. set on E.T.'s homeworld yeah. of Brodo Asogi. 
Brodo Sugi. Isn't that the name of uh, Patrick Swayze's character in uh... Brodo Sugi? <laughs> <laughs> Point break. Point break. Yeah. Brodo Sugi. <laughs> Didn't he have it in Road Road Blood? Not Road Bodie. She's Bodie. The, yeah, yeah Bodie. You're right. Uh, but the 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 book was bizarre. It was him essentially. Yeah, I think I remember this. Demoted and then and then because uh, he was stuck and they were mad. Yeah, that's why. And then he's yeah. literally trying to break the law to get exiled back off the planet to go back to Earth. The movie was uh, nominated for nine Academy Awards, including Ooh. Best Picture. Nice. Uh, it only won four, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, won well, for... popular movies don't necessarily ever get no, their due. No. Although Richard Attenborough, who directed Gandhi, that won Best Picture yeah. that year. Uh, actually wanted E.T. to win. He thought it was a, a good movie. Yeah. Um, he actually literally quoted himself as saying, I make mundane movies. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. But, um, you know, I mean, Connie's a great movie, and it's yeah. fantastic. But, like, you know, it it probably should have won Best Picture. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's it's not the, – the difference between – Say like a Spielberg and a Lucas versus a Bruckheimer or Michael Bay is that those guys Spielberg and Lucas are storytellers, right? And it's about right. the story, right? And it's not about the blockbuster, the spectacle. The spectacle is ancillary. The spectacle serves the story, exactly, rather than the story serving the spectacle, like Wild Wild West, right? <laughs> or Armageddon, or you know, these are all fun movies. They're fun sure. movies, but the story, it's not. It's the other way around, you know. Yeah. It's like, how do we justify blowing up the world? Yeah. Rather than the world needs to be blown up to justify our story. Although I would argue that I think Armageddon has a more personal story than any of his other movies. Yes. Yes. We get <laughs> Affleck crying in the tube. It's it's all about Bruce Willis at the end. Yes. Pushing that button. Yes. Yeah. Pushing my. But again, buttons. it was also spectacle, and but it, it, it I always connect with it. I connect with sure. it. Sure. Uh, Look, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not trying to dismiss your favorite movie in the world. That's well, I hope not. Um. But what I'm saying is there's no jangling keys. No. There's no it's... point of view of the children. There's no, no homage no. to, you know, uh, Looney Tunes and the Snoopy cartoons right. by not right. showing the adults. You know, there's not those hidden things that make the story so much better. Yeah. You know, the lens flares and all that stuff that well, are so cliche yeah. now, yeah. you know, that – began with him he got away with having the cheesiest rainbow crap at the end of the movie that's the cheesiest unless it had like you know that little pixie dust <laughs> yeah, crap yeah, yeah. of tinkerbell that's the only way it could be more cheesy but he earned it right because the movie earned it like i wasn't yeah. turned off by the rainbow i was like okay fine yeah cool that, yeah, yeah these are cool botanist guys they want to leave you with a little smile on your face okay? right they right. earned it but it's like that's what it is and and i don't think I think there's a few guys today that have that kind of magic or trying to get that magic. Yeah. But it's like I don't think we're going to get what we had with them in the 80s. Because I agree. Because, you know, you can't really portray – kids are either portrayed as like sassy little, you know, whatevers, little adults. Right. You know, right. or it's just – it was also a time where you could get on your bikes and – Roll, roll right. over yeah, a cop yeah. car or you could <laughs> you know you were building forts and doing stuff you were you know you you could have done this you could have found an alien and help him right, get back right, because right. that's possible. just how life yeah. was back then right, you know right. so there was uh, a couple of uh, plagiarism allegations of course because Uh-oh. this is a movie that you know it made almost a billion dollars sure. like there's going to be people there yeah. uh satyajit ray an indian director accused spielberg of ripping off his 1967 script the alien mm. spielberg denies it saying he was in high school when the script was going around 
But he was a high school in India. But he actually graduated in 1965, mm. and he was already in Hollywood when the script was being pushed around, uh, being shopped around. So it's possible that Spielberg read it. I don't think he did. I, I think it's just one of those, like, it's, it's similar enough that it's There's like, so many you stories, know, you know, I, and people are going to tell the same story. And it was actually, the weird thing is that the director, it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who, <laughs> a friend of his, who actually saw E.T. and goes, oh, my God, this is just like your script. Oh, wow. You should sue Steven Spielberg. Come on, Arthur. And Calm down. And Ray, being a classy gentleman, he said, nope, I am not vindictive, and I respect Steven Spielberg nice. as a filmmaker, so it's fine. Yeah, Whatever. that's awesome. Uh, on the other side of that is 1984, a federal appeals court ruled against playwright Lisa Litchfield, who sued Steven Spielberg for $750 million, Ooh. claiming, and now this, I am not making this okay. up, claiming he used her one-act musical play, Loki from Maldemar, as the basis for E.T. I buy it. I buy it. A one-act musical play. Yes. She yeah. lost the case with the court stating, quote, no reasonable jury could conclude that Loki and E.T. are substantially similar in their ideas and expression. That's BS. Because he, everybody knows yeah. that Steven Spielberg <laughs> always went to one-act musical plays. Whenever he was in Los Angeles, he was, yeah, he every was. night he was seeing local theater, yeah. some sort of one-act musical about aliens. I'm... Pr- Pretty positive that he saw you in a mm-hmm. one-act musical play yeah. in uh, the early 80s. Completely ignored me. Yeah. I, he, he missed out, man. He plagiarized that. That, that became you, AI. You could have been Henry Thomas. Oh, I could have been. I should have been. You should have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I should not. Henry Thomas, genius. That kid That kid was amazing uh, in that brilliant movie. Brilliant in that movie. Brilliant he, he deserved an Oscar nomination. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's... It's not e- – I mean, the he had to do so much heavy lifting in that movie. Yeah. He played drunk great. Oh, my God. That was so that brilliant. Scene, I totally forgot about that. where they're doing shot-for-shot match with The Quiet Man with yeah, Maureen O'Hara. Yeah, dancing and the yeah. kissing. Like, John so Wayne. Him, him pushing that kid Get down. Get down. He's not so his butt. Brilliant. Yeah, the little so bully brilliant. kid. I mean, what a, a tour de force performance and when he was sick and when – I mean, that kid just went through the ringer, the ringer yeah. emotionally. And – I, I, it's just a testimony to his talent and and the talent of a of Spielberg as a director to to get those performances out of those kids. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, without being a jerk. You know, yeah, it's like a lot of times it'd be like, well, "I'm going to kill your yeah. puppy," and then be like, "Don't kill my puppy." Yeah. Like, ah, this puppy's fine. But it was like a way to manipulate. Yeah, he didn't seem yeah. like he's a he's not a no, manipulator. No, 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 no. He's a collaborator. Yeah, yeah. He, and all the yeah. I'm sure I. I am sure that Henry Thomas and, and Drew Barrymore learned so much from him just he, being yeah. with him for those 61 days. Well, uh, we appreciate you uh, coming with us uh, through this journey through E.T. Rewatch it. I yeah. know you've seen it. It Rewatch is it. the most successful schmaltz film there it's, is. It works. It, I mean, I got teared up watching it again. It really you makes know? you turn on your heart light. It does. So, everybody, turn on your heart lights. In the middle of a young boy's dream. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll Don't see you next wake week. me up too soon. Oh, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I hit it with my nose. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Scooby Doo. Where are you? Already in progress. <laughs>